had the flu all week long, so uh, I won't blame you if you don't want to shake my hand or hug my neck today, but um, I've been told that I'm, I'm not contagious anymore. I don't know, just fair warning. Started last Sunday night with a headache, and I, this has been, I, I, when I went to the doctor, I remember, and she, we were both surprised when it test, the test showed positive for uh, influenza A, and I was, she was like, I really didn't think you had it, and I said, well, I didn't either, but I'm starting to feel bad now. I'm like, you ever, you ever notice that? You know, she's like, I'm fine, and then they said, well, you know, you just tested, oh, man, I feel terrible, and it really did hit me that afternoon, a couple hours later. And I said, man, I'm going to be down for like a day or a day and a half. This is going to be terrible. And a week later, I was like, golly, when is this going to be over? But thank you for your prayers. Uh, I am still struggling with some some bronchitis. So if you hear a little wheezing, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, we're, we're getting, getting much healthier. I uh, appreciate you coming today. If you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament toward the back of your Bible. Uh, we're going to, there's a couple other scriptures we're going to read, but we're going to be in the seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians today as we continue our our study uh, called This Is Us, this series. It, it, it's about family and marriage and what should we look like. It's, it's literally, this is us, Christ-centered family. So understand, it, it, don't get frustrated as we go through this series. If you see some things that you're like, well, that's not who we are. Well, that's the whole purpose, really, for us coming to church, right? Is for God, for we to work with each other and help each other and, and learn from each other how to be what God's called us to be, not necessarily how to continue to be what we are right now. Because it's not always the right thing, myself included. Um, you know, as you as you turn there, though, I, I want to remind you of some lyrics that you either just sang or heard, or both. You know, there's it's. I'm forever baffled by this con that we are still having controversy in some churches, uh, not here, but in some churches about uh, whether we should be singing old hymns. Or, or, or newer songs, and that's up to that church completely, uh, you know, whatever they, but it's, it's funny how there's this attack from those who don't like newer music um, to tell me that I shouldn't like it either. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't tell you that you can't sing that, so don't tell me I can't sing this. And so what they they um, the card they throw out so often is, oh, there's no theology in that new music. Oh, my goodness. Read it. <laughs> I mean, it's full of it. That is an absolute ball-faced lie. It's just not true. Listen, we, we, we can understand a little bit about rain here recently, right? <laughs> I don't know about if you noticed, but we've had a couple of inches drop here lately. And uh, I remember the flood of 1994 because I was a sheriff's deputy in, in America. And I, I literally watched as dirt went into the creek and was washed down. I, I mean, it, it, water is, is one of the most powerful things we have on earth. Think about this. You can't stop water. You can divert it. But sooner or later, it's going to find a way to go where it wants to go. Now, you can move it around over here, but... 
But if you if you if you dam it up, it's just going to rise. I mean, you know, there's water's super powerful, and it changes everything around it. Now, listen to what this the words that we just sang. I can feel the waters rise. I can hear the howling lies that haunt me. Fear won't hold me now. My feet are on the rock. Now, I don't know about you ever been in a creek or rushing waters where I want to be. You, you, you don't want to stand on the creek bottom where the dirt, because it's just that water's just washing. You can feel it washing out from underneath your feet, can't you? You get on that rock, you know I'm going to be okay right here. At least my feet are on, on, on good standing. It says, when I feel my hope about to break. You ever been there? My hope in everything is just, just about everything I've always known or what I've been placing my faith in, what I think is going to help me get through, i.e. a relationship or a job or a, a child or, or whatever. My hope is about to break. So when your hope is about to break, listen, I will cling to your unchanging grace. What is so key about that? Let the waters come and the earth give way. When waters rush, the earth's going to give way. Dirt cannot withstand water. It's going to wash it away. It's going to move it. I'll be dancing in the rain. See, what this song is saying is we can find joy and happiness in the middle of an absolute gully washer storm. When everything around us is moving, when we set our feet in this one place and then all of a sudden there comes this floodwaters and, 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 and what we used to see as a tree right there is gone down the way. What we used to see is, you know, and, and it's all just washed away. But in the middle of all of that, I can dance because of his unchanging grace. See, here's the thing. If you build your relationships, if you build your life, if you build your every whatever on what the culture says it should be, it's going to change. Think about this. What is, think about all that is acceptable today in relationships. And there's a vast number. Just think about all this acceptable. And then compare it to what was acceptable 25 years ago. Now listen, don't stop there. What was acceptable 25 years ago, compare that to what was acceptable 50 years ago. And a hundred and two hundred. It changes. Culture all the time says, oh, this is okay, that's okay. You know, fashion changes. What is cool today was not cool five years ago. Parents, how hard is it to even carry on a conversation now? Like, I don't even know what that word means, you know? <laughs> you know, it's so. It's funny, it's, it's not as bad anymore, but I remember when texting first became popular, you know, and like the, the letters were on the numbers and you had to scroll through it, you know. <laughs> That's when these little, you know, um, BRB, you know, it, it was developed because when nobody going to stand there and go, B, right, back. No, 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 BRB, you know, and that's the way, and, 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 us older people were like, BRB, what, what are they doing, you know? They're butt texting me, you know? And they, they, don't, 
Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. Everything changes in our culture. And if you, if you put the most precious thing you have outside your relationship with Christ, that is your marriage, and you rest it on something that could be washed away and I promise will be changed, you won't be dancing in the rain. Because when the rains of turmoil come, you're going to panic. Because you know you've, you've built it on that. And so it's now it's about to all be washed away. But if you will this morning just say, hey, I'm, I'm going to see what God's word says. And maybe we should build our relationship on what that says. Here's a hint. This has never changed in 2,000 years. Two Rains have come. Floods have come. The devil's come. You name it. Ain't nothing changed about this. So when you establish your life and your relationships around you on this, you can dance in the rain because you know ain't nothing going to change. All that being said, today's message is, is entitled to marry or not marry. That is the question. Um, this passage today is about marriage and singleness, all in the same, same uh, verses. Paul is our author. Understand that. It's really important to understand. I tell you all the time, remember, it's context. Context is everything when you read Scripture. You cannot get, well, this Scripture right here, this verse says this. This verse, well, yeah, maybe it does. But I was explaining to somebody in the hallway a while ago. I said, you have to understand what was being said. Now, you think about it. You can have a conversation at the restaurant this afternoon about the menu and say the same words about, you know, a meal at home or a, a, our children's program or whatever, and it, and it be a different context, so it means something completely different. So you have to understand who is writing it, who they're writing it to, and what is the circumstances that, that's going on around them. Then you can understand what's, what's being said. So today's context, understand, is Paul, who is a forever single person. He's never been married. He never does marry before he dies. He, he's single all of his life. Uh, and we're, we're going to see how that affects him in a moment. But just understand, that's him writing to the, the, the church at Corinth. So he's writing to a, a, a group of Christians, some who are single, some who are engaged, some who are married, okay? So, and some who are widowed, or widowers. So uh, understand that. That's why today's message is going to be a little, little bit vast. Um, and before we get to the pastor, I just got a couple questions to ask you. Number one. Have you ever wondered why others have a perfect marriage and yours, hmm, well, maybe not perfect. Maybe it's a disaster. Well, it might be because you're looking at their marriage through Instagram. You're looking at marriage through some Snapchat filters that they've put on and they don't want you to see. You know, it's funny how, I, I don't know why this is really, but one thing I've noticed about when people, we don't let people know what's really going on in our lives, the marriage is the number one area in that probably. Marriage and finances. We don't want nobody to know we broke or mad. 
<laughs> you know, we, we just, we don't. And I don't know why that is, I, um, but that's, listen, you can't get help till you recognize it. And, and, and we're going to, I want to save, I don't want to give away my first point yet. Just hang on if that's where you're at, okay? You're frustrated. Um, second question is, are you single and wondering why everybody keeps pushing you to get married? Be careful, by the way, if you're the one pushing, that you don't push them into something that God didn't ordain. Do you have someone in your life that's single and just can't understand why they're still single? Why do they not have a husband yet? Why do they not have a wife yet? You know, um, and the funny thing is, I don't, I don't understand this at all, but there's more pressure on ladies to get married than men, isn't it? Oh, well, he's, you know, he's just a man. He's, he's all right. But ladies, she can even hurry up, her clock's ticking. You know, I mean, it's like, whatever. Uh, look, in today's passage, Paul addresses a number of issues in marriage, and he talks about singleness and something that Paul knows a lot about because he's never been married, okay? Um, so, Read with me 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to read verses 27 through 38. Uh, now, I encourage you. Go back and read this whole chapter. You need to read the whole chapter. No more in context. Um, but there's some really good stuff in here. Uh, just, just go and read that this afternoon. Not right now. Right now, go to verse 27. Paul says here, Are you bound to a wife? That means married. Or um, uh, engaged. Understand, in those days, engagement was as, was, was as big a commitment as marriage. Really, the only two things was is that they had not had sex. That was it. And in those days, they had not. I mean, that was just the way it was. So, verse 27. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Kind of in other words, be content where you're at for right now. More on that in a moment. Do not seek to be released. He said, are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Verse 28, however, if you do get married, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But such people will have trouble in this life. Watch, watch this last verse now. See if you get this. Get the same, hear the same thing Paul's saying as me. Uh, where am I at? All right, here it is. However, if you get married, you do not have you do not have sin. And if a virgin marries, she is not sin. But such people, i.e., married people, will have trouble in this life. And I'm trying to spare you. <laughs> so basically, Paul starts off here saying, you know what? You don't really want to get married. There's a lot of trouble. <laughs> Verse 29. This is what I mean, brothers and sisters. The, the time is limited. In other words, this world's passing away. So from now on, who have, who have wives should be as though they have had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. 
Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they didn't own anything. And, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For this world is in its current form and is passing away. It's a little bit confusing. We'll, we'll, I hope to make that clear for you in a minute. Verse 32. I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord. How he may please the Lord, but the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the world of the Lord, so that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, but she may how she may please her husband. I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper, and so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. So he said, I'm not trying to hold anything back from you. I'm trying to give you something. Verse 36, if, if any man thinks he's acting improperly toward the virgin he is engaged to, if she is getting beyond the usual age for marriage and he feels he should marry, he should do what he wants. He's not sinning. He can get married. But he who stands firm in his heart, who is under compulsion but, uh, but has control over his own will and has decided in his heart to keep her as his fiancée, will do well. In other words, he who can remain in a relationship with her without having sex with her, he's better off to stay that way. So then he who marries his fiancée does well, but he who does not marry will do better. So uh, just, you should have been here for the first service. <laughs> I hate it if you weren't, I'm sorry. Uh, apparently somebody went tattletailed on me, and now my wife's in here for the second service. <laughs> so you might not get the whole truth, nothing but the truth, but I'll do my best, okay? Uh, because she's listening now. All right, so listen, here, first point, three things I want us to see about this passage. The first thing is that marriage is trouble. <laughs> Encouraging message this morning on marriage, okay? <laughs> marriage is trouble. Paul said, run. <laughs> Don't do it. Paul's the guy standing up at the marriage ceremony when he says, anybody here? You know, Paul said, me. Don't do it. Stop. Get away. Um, look, Paul's clear. If you're married, you will have trouble. That's just the truth, okay? And this is a positive point because I want you to see today you're not alone you're in this room right now and you're thinking I'm done I'm just here you know till I can save up enough rent money to get me an apartment listen to me today please 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 hear me today it's not over until you make it over don't tell me well this is done I, I can't help it. It's over. No, 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 no. You decide when it's over. You know what the definition of failure is? It's when you quit trying. 
Now you think about that for a moment. You can apply that to sports or marriage. It's, 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 it's a blanket statement that's true in every aspect. You're not defeated until you quit. Uh, you don't know you don't know because you had a perfect marriage. No, my wife has a perfect husband. That doesn't mean we have a perfect marriage. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, right. Listen, it is a fact that if you're married, there will be trouble in a relationship. That happens. It's, it's, it's part of it because we're broken humans. We're, none of us are perfect. And we're going to handle situations wrong, and then scabs are going to build over that and scars, and then we're going to ignore them. And, and, then we're, and we're, every time something happens, we're going to point at the scar. Look what you did to me. You know, and, and, and we're not going to let go of things, and we're not going to deal with marriage appropriately. And before you know it, we've got a string of them behind us. Now, I'm not criticizing you here today if you've been married 17 times. What I want you to hear today is if this is your 17th marriage, let's make it the stinking best one ever and the way the first one should have been. You can't go back and undo all of that. Move forward from here, okay? Listen, but look, I'm afraid many getting married today think that everything will be all puppy dogs and roses. Then they discover their spouse doesn't want to spend every waking minute with them. Or they do. <laughs> Not saying which one I am, I'm just saying. And then things get rubbed in the wrong way, and oh, you know, I, I just don't know. This isn't what I was expecting. There's the problem our expectations are wrong in the beginning. You're going to have some rough times. You're going to have some times you don't even want to look at him like my wife has right now. It's going to be time. It's going to get worse. <laughs> Hang on, brother. Look, when we got married, um, little things became magnified. And it's the same for you. Nothing I say today is going to be any different than your relationship as a whole because we're all humans. We're all um, make mistakes. So we start to see that our spouse isn't perfect once we get married. Things that maybe things maybe we made a mistake. Next thing you know, we're looking for a way out, and we start saying things like this. Ask you just listen. This is from years of being <laughs> around and trying to help other couples, and, and it's, it's crazy because I hear the same statements. In, in marriages from people don't even know each other. Okay, so it, listen, this is, not, this is not unique to you. If you're sitting here going, but you don't know me, you don't know my marriage, you don't know our situation. Let, what, I can tell you this, these statements I'm about to read to you have been said to me by multiple, multiple couples that didn't even know each other. And they're all common because we're all fallen. Listen to this. We just grew apart. You ever heard that? We just, you ever said that? We just grew apart. It's not his fault. It's not my fault. It's not her fault. We just, we just grew apart. Because no. <laughs> you allowed yourself to grow apart. So what you have to do now is grow back together. Don't make excuses. Don't just accept failure. 
Don't quit. Say, we've got to find a way to grow back together. Stay in the fight. Having a conversation with someone trying to get out of law enforcement recently who is a very, very good officer. And I was like, you need to stay in the fight. We need you. But, uh, but they're frustrated. And I understand it. And they had some good reasons. But sometimes we just got to say, I, I, but we need you. And listen, if you're married and you're thinking about separating, your kids need you. If you have children, your kids need you to come together. It's not about you. Listen, here, you ever heard this? We married really young. So? You are as much a sinner at 18 as you will be at 28 or 48 or 58. You have the same inter-desires and uh, yeah, all that stuff. With, you know, you, hopefully you're more mature, you know, hopefully. But, uh, you know, the point is you, you're, you're basically the same person. It doesn't matter. You're married really young. I was 21 when Tanya and I got married. Um, how about this? We just fell out of love for each other. Why not? I hope somebody one day will get me a picture of somebody falling in love. I just, I like to see a train wreck like you do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You ever, you ever been riding down the road and notice there's a wreck over here on the southbound lane and the whole northbound lane's backed up? You know, we police call them rubberneckers. That's what they, because they just can't, they got to look, you know? I want to see a picture of somebody falling in love, you know? How do you fall in love? You don't fall in love. You make a decision. I'm going to pursue this person. And along the way, your heart starts to become affectionate for that person. And that's how you become in love. You don't fall in love. And listen, by the way, you don't fall out of love. You, you, you make a decision. I don't like that person. I don't like what they're saying, what, how they smell, what they eat, what they watch on television, the clothes they wear, how they, how they look at me. You know, we, we kind of, as, as feuding adults, we revert back to children. You ever been in the car and the children in the back seat? He's touching me. He's touching me. He's looking at me. Mom, he's looking at me. That's how we treat each other when we get angry. With it. And, and we just, we grow apart because we choose to. You don't fall out of love. You run the other way. You quit pursuing love. It just, you know, people say, oh, I fell into sin. You didn't fall into sin. You jumped into it. I've never been walking along of, of anywhere and just found myself laying in a, in a bucket full of sin. <laughs> I made a decision. There's sin. I'm going there. This is the way it happens. How about this? You ever said or heard this? The kids are better off because all we do is fight. Mm-mm. Nope. That is a lie the devil's telling you. You tell him, get thee behind me, Satan, because I'm not listening to that. Think about this. When Jesus went into the wilderness and the devil came alongside him, he said, if you'll just, if you'll just jump off of this cliff, angels will come. He quoted scripture. 
He used Scripture to tempt Jesus. And he said, Scripture says that, that if you're the Messiah, that, that nothing, you won't even be bruised. And so the angels will come and swoop you up and, and keep you from hurting yourself. Sounded reasonable. I mean, the Scripture he's using, right? The devil's cunning. He tells you stuff that makes sense in your brain at the time, but it is not the un wavering truth of God. It's just not. Oh, your kids would be better off. No, they will not. Here's another one. We both deserve to be happy and neither of us are happy. So if we separate and we each go find somebody else, we'll be happy. You know what they're saying? That's putting another person in the place of God. See, that is literally making some other person an idol. And that's starting that relationship off on the wrong foot. Because God said he'll not allow anything to be put ahead of him. And if you put your husband or your wife or girlfriend, fiance, boyfriend, whatever it is, before God, he'll remove them every time. These are all lies. Listen, I'm not calling you a liar for saying them. I'm saying Satan is feeding you these lies. Don't let him spoil the good that God has for you. Listen, Tanya and I, before we ever got married, there was a day that um, um, we weren't engaged. We, we were dating. Um, I think pretty sure at this time we both knew you know uh, we were going to get married at any rate uh, we went to church together that day and I was living with mom and dad and Tanya was going to come home and eat lunch with me you know for uh, Sunday dinner so we had this big fancy meal we went by McDonald's <laughs> got a couple of cheeseburgers and I think Tanya actually got a happy meal you know she had a, had a cheeseburger and some fries and we go to mom and dad's, we sit down to eat. And I'm hurrying, I'm changing clothes. And What are you doing? Why don't you sit down and enjoy the meal with me? That's what she said, not me. I said, because I, I got to be at the ball field at 1.30. You know we got practice today. What? Softball practice. We got church league softball practice today. It's church league. It's God's work. <laughs> I have to be there. She said, well, I just thought you would, I just thought you would, you know, have, have lunch with me today and not go to practice. Spend some time with me. And why did you think that? <laughs> I, men, does that make sense to you? I mean, you know, uh, let me look at my calendar. Is it on my calendar? No, calendar says I'm going to softball practice. I'm going to softball practice. <laughs> I mean, I, all these guys have to have me. They can't have a team without me. You know, I'm, I'm I must be there today. Fine. Go. She gets up and storms out. Hey, hold on. We ain't eat lunch yet. She gone. Headed toward her car up, up the driveway. I bought that cheeseburger with my hard-earned money. And you gonna eat it. So I opened the door and said, you forgot something. She's wearing a rain jacket, a hood, 
right there. Cheeseburger went right there. <laughs> See why they needed me at softball practice? I had a good arm. <laughs> I had a good arm. I just didn't have squat for brains. <laughs> I showed her <clears throat> the next week. <clears throat> she was cleaning at church. Her parents cleaned the church every week, and she would help them. And Dad was the pastor there, so she moseyed into his office and said, let me tell you something. I'm never, ever speaking to your son again. <laughs> That's what Dad says, pretty much. He said, he said, well, good night. I don't know whatever took you so long to come to that conclusion. I don't blame you. Fast forward, uh, the, the next Sunday, I think it was the next Sunday, it was just very, very short. Um, we go to lunch with some our best friends. He was a music um, leader, and they had just got married, young couple. Anyway, we go to lunch with them. It's much safer when we go out to lunch with other couples. There's no flying cheeseburgers in the, in the restaurant. You know, that's just when we're at home and ain't nobody looking, right? So we're, we're, we go to eat lunch with them, and... And uh, we, we're coming back through town and passing uh, right through the middle of downtown by Monroe's Hot Dogs right there in Americas. And, and uh, I looked at her, and I'm driving. She's sitting over there. And I said, hey, you want to get married July 10th? <laughs> See how romantic I am? <laughs> Listen, that literally is the way I think. Let's just, you know, needs to be done. Let's just do it. You know, I mean, it's a process. So I said, hey, you want to get married July 10th? She said, why July 10th? I don't know. I mean, just, uh, she, well, I have to ask my mama. So that's how our marriage began, okay? Then we, uh, we, we her mama said yes, thankfully, so we, we, we got married. Uh, we, we leave the, the church on, on, on Saturday, and then uh, on Sunday, we're washing the car. You know, uh, there, was a, there was a car wash right next to the hotel, and so I'm going to clean off all of the, the dead bugs and everything else they put on there, shaving cream, all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to wash it for the third time. And as I'm doing it, uh, I run out of coins. Now, you know, nowadays you run a card in the machine, basically, right? Back then it was quarters. Okay? So I put a couple quarters in there, like 50 cent probably, and it washed for a few minutes and then it ran out. So I said, hey, I don't have any more change. Will you go to in the, walk in the store? It's a gas station right there and give us some change. She said, sure, submissive wife, you know, already, <laughs> off on the right foot. So I give her $20. She goes in the store. She comes back with $20 <laughs> worth of quarters. <laughs> We've been married 24 hours, and we're second-guessing, <laughs> both of us. <laughs> Now, look, today, I, I probably could use most of that $20 in the machine to wash the car nowadays, but in 1993, you know, I walked away with $19.75 in my pocket, jingling, angry. What are you doing? She said, but you said go get change, and you handed me a $20 bill, so that's what I did. But I didn't mean get all of it in quarters, really. So our honeymoon started off with a bang, you know. So we go, 
we traveled so um, down to the rest of our honeymoon. That was uh, we had only gone part of the way, so we we went on down to Jekyll Island, and that's where we spent the rest of our honeymoon on Jekyll Island. Really romantic. It was with the youth on Super Wow. <laughs> so uh, we literally spent our honeymoon, other than that weekend, Saturday and Sunday, with on youth trip. Uh, for Super Wild. And I told Tanya, uh, since then, I said, you know, there might have been some prophecy in that. We didn't understand we were going to spend the rest of our marriage literally with the church. And, 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 but that's where our heart was at. We really wanted to, to serve, and we did. And thankfully, uh, some of the youth got together and bunked up together and squeezed out a room so we could, we could have a room together. We really thought we was going to stay apart. Um, Here's the point. You say, what does all that have to do? Here's the point. Things got much worse than flying cheeseburgers later. And, you know, frustration over mis miscommunication and uh, the $20 worth of quarters, which was obviously my fault. But things got not. Things got much worse. <laughs> I tried. I really did. I tried to. I just couldn't. I just Hadn't quite got over that. <laughs> Things got much, much worse. But when we left the church that day, we had no nothing in mind except for we're going to share a room. We might share, if fortunate, share a room on our honeymoon. But we're certainly going to share a room in the nursing home, we're going we're, we're gonna to stick through this, um, no matter what. And that's the determination you have to have and understand. Things are going to stink at times. She ain't going to do right. Sometimes. He's not going to do right at a lot of times. There's, there's going to be times where both of you are going to be guilty of, of doing dumb, dumb stuff. Don't let the world tell you that that means you have to go your separate ways. Because you don't. Paul's very specific. If you have, if you're bound to a wife, you stay there. Period. And that's vice versa. If you're bound to a husband, you stay there. You work through it. It doesn't mean, God didn't, God may not, have a plan for you to be living bliss all of your life. But listen, there ain't another couple in this room that's doing that. There's periods of that, hopefully. But it's not every day. Second thing we see about this passage, when we get to this kind of hard stuff here, uh, in verse 29 through 31, he said, this is what I mean, brothers and sisters. You know, time is limited, and then he goes on to all this different stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I was going to read it, but I'm not. You, you read it. Here's what I think Paul's saying. This is a difficult passage to understand. But here, there's two things I wrote, just two things on this point. What Paul's not saying, for sure, and what I think he's saying. Okay, I'm just... So, number one, I know what Paul's not saying is if you're married, act like you're not. Okay, that, that's not what he, that is not at all what he's saying. So please, don't read that into it. Read the whole chapter. There, Paul's not saying that anywhere else. Why would he say that in these four or five words? That's not what Paul's saying. 
If you read on past that, all the other things he says will be like, they're, none of them kind of, they don't all kind of grow together. They all are different areas of life and so forth. And so what I think, but they're all opposites. So here, that's why I think what Paul is saying is, hey, after Christ, all things are different. Things are different. After Christ, things are different. It should be. It, I, I tell I, people all the time, so uh, how, how do I know if I'm saved? How do I know if my brother's saved? How do I know if my cousin, whatever? I, I, I said, listen, here's a fairly simple but pretty, pretty solid rule. No change, no Jesus. There's, there's not been a change in your or that person's life after they met Jesus. Then they've probably not met Jesus. Or they've not met, made him Lord of their life. We should be different after Christ. We, we should, you know, how many of you ever heard Dave Ramsey? Most in here. Look, Dave Ramsey is money guru. He, he makes his living telling people not to get in debt. And then he sells his products. You know, anyway. uh, but it, he says, hey, don't, don't get in debt. Don't get in debt. And, and here's, here's his point. He says, if you look out across the world, everybody's in debt. In the nation, it's the norm to be in debt. You get married, you open, a, you open up an account of rooms to go so you can furnish your house the way your parents have accumulated over 40 years. And, you know, you got you to gotta have... You know, the side-by-side -side refrigerator that makes ice and, and has the screen on it that tells you what's in there while you're at the store on your phone app so you can remember, so you can see the milk in the refrigerator. you got to have that, right? You know, and, and so you go, you spend, you spend, spend, spend. And, and before you know it, there's so much financial pressure on the marriage that you're like, you know what, let's just quit and go and do something else. And, it, and it's a perpetual thing. And, and Dave Ramsey says, don't do that. Be different. Be weird. Is his, is his terminology. Literally, he says, be weird. Listen, I'm telling you this morning with your marriage, be weird. Don't be like what everybody else says. Go to the unchanging word. Culture changes. It might be acceptable today, but it, it doesn't mean it's right with this. Let's just go to the measuring stick. What is always an inch is an inch is always an inch everywhere you apply it with a measuring stick, right? That's why we need it. Listen, that's the same thing here. Just apply this everywhere in your life. Your finances, the way you raise your children, the way you treat your spouse, the way, how much money you give, where you give it, what kind of career you would have, who you would hang out with. There's not an aspect in your life that's not answered right here. Let's just follow this. Not your feelings, not what, not what some YouTuber tells you. Last thing we see is there's no shame in singleness. This isn't preached on very often. Um, and it's actually, I, I picked this series uh, about six months ago or so, and it and it, this is a big part of why I picked this series, more so than just marriage. Now, we always, <clears throat> if you're here today, say, well, he's preaching. No, 
I preach on marriage or relationships every February. Go back and look. I mean, they're, they're online. You can see it. It's every, I didn't know you was coming, okay? Um, but I wanted, some, I wanted to address singleness too because I think, well, let's look at what Paul says. Verse 32. I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried man or virgin is concerned about the, the things of the Lord so that they may be holy, both in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I'm saying this for you, your own benefit. Not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper and so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. So what Paul's saying in a nutshell is that God's called some people to a life of singleness. And that's okay. And don't let anybody else tell you any different. Now this may be for a season. Or it may be for life. But the point is, you go meddling in somebody else's, look, I know somebody who, who's, who's beyond what we call the marrying age and has never been married. And I see people around this person all the time sending them phone numbers. You need to call this person. You need, you need to see them. Da, 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 da. And I've seen some of that create some hurt in that person's life because they put the wrong person with them. And they didn't let God handle what God's supposed to handle. You become playing God, you think you're matchmaker. You think you're Cupid. You know what? Uh, you, what you are is against God. What you are is interfering in God's work. It's God's job to bring the person into that person's life. If he wants someone there. When you go to meddling, you put the wrong person there. You're just creating heartache. Um, A married person should focus on God first. Period. Okay? Should focus on God first. And then his family. And then the church. A single man can just focus on God in the church. Now, listen, I, I would not... I, I don't know. I can't imagine my life without Tanya in it. I just, you know, I, I don't want to. But a pastor or a lay leader or anybody involved in the church could have more time to spend doing God's word than God's work if they're not married. They don't have that split focus. I'm not ordaining that. I'm saying God is ordaining that to some people for a lifetime and to some people for a season. And when we go to rushing things or changing things, obviously God doesn't want a pastor to divorce his wife so he can spend more time at the church. You know what? The bad thing is, there's a lot of men 
who married more to the church than they are their wife, and it causes them to lose their wife and their ministry. We need to get things in priorities. God, wife, church. Wife, i.e. family. My children don't come before my wife. Some of you need to hear that. My children do not come before my wife. I love them. They, they, they ain't a, they ain't, I, I can never, I could stand up here all day, I could not explain to you the love that I have for my children. But their wife, their, their mama comes first. Always will. Always have. Always will. But the church comes after that. <clears throat> a married person has to balance their commitment to the work of God and, a fa and family. A single person doesn't have to be that. They can be all in. So that's why God calls some people. And see, here's the thing. We're about to close. I think this is where some, not, probably not, I'm sure not all, but some people get confused with homosexuality. They get confused within themselves. Um, and understandably so, because watch, think about this. <clears throat> Those people, see what Paul's saying, if you... If you have your, your, your systems in check, if you can control yourself, he says, don't marry. So what he's saying, Paul is saying, he, did, he didn't have the, the sexual drive for a woman like most men did. See, in today's society, when that happens, God's trying to put them in a place of singleness, at least for that period of their life and maybe forever. And so he's allowed them a, 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 a softer drive to help them maintain what he's called them to. See, if God calls you to something, he'll equip you for it. And then we get confused about the equipment and, and what we've been equipped for and, and how and how all that works. And so, and so then we say, oh, well, if I'm not attracted to a, a woman, then it must be that I'm gay because that's the only other choice. No, it's not the only other choice. The other choice is to serve God with all your heart, undivided attention, and give him everything you have. But society won't, won't let up. No, that can't be. God can't be part of the equation. It has to be this or that. No, it doesn't. <clears throat> Listen, maybe you're in this room and you're struggling today with that same-sex attraction, and maybe that's why. God's got something else for you. There's no shame in singleness. We as a church should be Celebrating singles more often. And we should be encouraging them. Please, if there's somebody in your life that has not been married yet and they don't see nothing on the horizon, you let God put something on the horizon and you stay out of it. You pray for them. You pray to God to help them remain, remain pure until God sends them a wife or a husband. In conclusion today, listen, a couple questions. Number one, what has God called you to? Now, he hasn't called everybody in this room to the same thing. What's God called you to? Will you just pursue that and not what everybody around you tells you should or what your own heart is, is, is bent toward? I told you before, our heart's wretched, man. Our heart will seek the things of this world. Maybe, maybe um, he's called you. I don't know, Paul's clear that remaining single is not a curse, but actually a blessing. And the best thing for you, if, if you're gifted for that, 
and don't burn with passion for a mate. For the rest of us, we should marry. Stay faithful in that marriage and work together with our spouse to advance the kingdom. That's why God's given you a spouse, not for your enjoyment. It's really not. It's for you to work together to advance the kingdom. Go back and read Genesis where God ordained marriage and why he said it was. Listen, remember, society changes. This doesn't. It hadn't changed since the beginning of time. God said, this is why I design marriage. He hadn't changed that. <clears throat> For many in this room, perhaps, so what is all this, what's the point in all this? Paul is looking to the end of time when he's writing this, and that's the subject. That's, that's the context of what he's writing. He's saying, in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming again. All right, now listen, we'll read two, two scriptures for you. If Greg comes, I want to read these two scriptures. I want you to think about this. You've never given your life to Christ. Revelations 19.7 says, Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb, has come. The lamb is who? Jesus. Who's he marrying? The church. The marriage of the lamb has come. So if you want to be in the end married to Jesus, in the relationship with Jesus that is the most important, then, then you must be part of the church. That doesn't mean you got to come and join our church. It means part of the church means giving your life to Christ. He says, and the bride has prepared herself. In other words, the church is ready. We're ready to go. We're just waiting on the bridegroom to show up. The day's coming very, very soon. Revelations 21 2 says this. This is John talking. He said, I, saw, I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from, from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. I close with this one question. It's coming. Okay, it's going to happen. The, the wedding ceremony is coming where the bridegroom's going to come and he's going to marry the, the church and we're going to become one and, and live together in all of eternity in heaven. Here's the question. Are you ready for the ceremony? Are you ready? God comes today. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? Well, you know, I... Uh, working on this and I've been trying to get better at that and I've been you know trying to act better at this and that no 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 just come to this altar this morning and say God you help me forget all that you and I can't struggle hard enough to do the right thing I'm the chief of all sinners Paul said and I good night I relate to that but we should every day strive to follow him this morning will you come and give your life to him